Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Guys, uh, getting closer and closer to an NFL season that looks like it's more and more likely to happen. Uh, still, a lot to talk about this off season as people are getting ready and doing their rookie drafts. Maybe those startup opportunities are cropping up as well. Uh, Matt, you've done startups. You, of course, you're in these rookie drafts. How's the offseason treating you so far? It's good, man. And speaking of startups, Red List 3 is uh, signups are open. So if you want to be in Red List 3, let's, let's get it. Yeah, we're, we're excited. Ryan and I are once again tag teaming in a red list league. Uh, since it went so well in red list two, we're going to, we're going to try to do it again in red list three. Ryan, uh, same question to you. How's, how's the off season treating you? We were talking before we hit the record button, a little, little bit of a scruff look for Ryan McDowell. That's not, that's not <laughs> normal for you, especially this time of year. Yeah, man, this, uh, stay at home thing is, has changed me in in more ways than one I think but um, I think for all of us it should help us be more prepared for dynasty startup drafts and for the season in general plenty of research time for everybody out there yeah it's changed you but hasn't changed that dynasty content Uh, still tweeting away still still uh, sending out all that information that we all love on Twitter and then on all your podcasts of course as well. Before we get into what we want to talk about mainly, guys, we should talk quickly about the DLF Champions League. And we've, over the last handful of weeks, we've talked about our experiences with that DLF Champions League. Of course, Ryan, myself, and Matt are all in some of these leagues. Uh, some of the some of the benefits, if you want to jump in one of these, we, we partnered, DLF has partnered up with Safe Leagues and uh, really with Scott Fish creating this brand new DLF Championship Cup Series. And in, in this this Cup Series, uh, it's, it's really a super flex format. It has tight end premium. Uh, you get points and payouts awarded each year. And the bonus, of course, like we've talked about a few times, is that every third year, these cumulative points that you gather year by year, they, they go into a larger field and, and somebody can win this champions cup it's going to be a thousand dollar grand prize so you can you can prove to all those dynasty uh friends of yours i guess that you're the best of the best visit dynastyleaguefootball.com 
slash safe leagues and you can sign up for one of these leagues and who knows maybe you'll you'll be in a league with ryan matt or myself this week guys we wanted to talk about something we did last year matt we we brought it back because i think you came up with this idea a year ago matt and it was a good one but we we had a lot of fun with you uh because we it's it's called rookie stash cash or future trash and uh you know we we gave you a hard time because we were calling rookies trash which which isn't a lot of fun really oh it's it's fun when ryan says it it's fun when ryan calls a player trash <laughs> that's my favorite part of this whole thing well ryan has the habit of being very authoritative when he when he speaks about his thoughts on these rookies so so when he says trash it's trash for sure <laughs> Uh, of course, the stash, a uh, player worth holding on to, somebody that could turn into future cash. Cash being somebody that, one of these rookies that's going to produce in year one and, and will gain value uh, over the first year of his career. And then the trash, the, that, that dynasty rookie trash, uh, players that are unlikely to ever produce for your dynasty team, probably some of that roster clutter, that guy at the end of the bench that never is gonna, never will find your roster. So we're gonna do this this series, guys, over the next month. Uh, we're gonna start in the AFC and NFC West, and where better to start really than in the AFC West with Denver, who added all those weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Talking about Jerry Judy, of course, as that first weapon selected, Matt. Why don't we kick it off with you, Jerry Judy? Is he stash, cash, or future trash? I, I think he's cash. I, I think it's hard to argue any other ones there. Uh, I, I guess the only argument you could really make is that, you know, Drew Locke is not going to be able to support multiple weapons. But, you know, I think eventually Judy is going to emerge as the wide receiver one there, even over Cortland Sutton in year one. Probably not going to take that reign from from Sutton. But, you know, I think he's he's a le- le- legitimate second target of that offense, uh, even in his rookie season. So uh, I think his value is certainly going to increase after year one. So we'll call him a cash. It feels, Ryan, and you collect all this ADP for DLF, it feels like Judy is already cashing in a little bit. He's gaining a little bit of value. A lot of dynasty folks around the industry are excited about his upside in Denver. Yeah, he's he's definitely already being valued uh, as a, I guess we could say as a borderline elite asset. It's, it's interesting to compare, and, and this is going to be true with many of these top rookies over this over this next month long series, guys like Judy are, he's a mid first rounder, right? He's going 1.07 in our rookie ADP. uh, The the seventh of that top seven that we, we talked through last week, that top tier. But then you look at our startup ADP and, and he's a third or fourth rounder. So it's, it's been the theme of this uh, really this entire off season, this entire pre-draft process is just how deep the class is. And, and that's just another reminder, but I, I do agree with Matt that uh, the Judy has to be in that cash category. Absolutely. Uh, Denver went on to add three more position players, KJ Hamler at wide receiver, Albert O, the tight end uh, later in the draft. And then Tyree Cleveland was also added to the roster at wide receiver these three as a whole, Ryan, there's there's probably a mixed bag here, but which are st- which are a stash, which is maybe a cash, and is there some trash amongst the rest of the Denver rookie crop? Well, I think Hamler and Alberto are both interesting players in that pre-draft they were uh, they were a couple of favorites uh, of 
the dynasty community in general, Alberto kind of vying for that tight end one spot potentially. Uh, and, and then Hamler was that, that player that kind of that sneaky second round pick. Uh, and I think they both lost value because of the NFL draft because of the landing spot. Uh, Hamler got the second round draft capital that, that he needed and that many were hoping for, but in the crowd to Denver situation, uh, I, I think that puts him more in the, in the stash category. Uh, Alberto for me is kind of, kind of in between stash and, and trash, uh, just because, again, of the landing spot, Noah Fant, so many other weapons there. We already know about the <clears throat> the the typical length of time we have to wait for tight ends to really produce anyway. And, and now uh, Alberto has all of that going against him, and and he was far from the first tight end drafted. I think he was the fifth or sixth, and and fell to uh, early day three. So uh, not, I don't think it's great news for either one of those guys. And then Cleveland. As a seventh rounder, you know this. This is a guy who was a former kind of hot name in in the Devi circles. If if you're in Devi leagues, he's probably already owned uh, in your league. Uh, but that that seventh round draft capital is is bad news. So he's unfortunately probably in that trash category just because of that. Matt, any disagreements with that? No, I, I get maybe I'm a, I'm a tad more optimi- optimistic about Alberto. Uh, you know, I think that he has a chance to score more touchdowns than than even Fan in year one if he's given that opportunity. Um, but I do think he's going to be pretty touchdown reliant, like Ryan said, with all of those uh, weapons in that offense. So he's probably going to end up as a roster clogger at least for a year or two. But you know, maybe if Fan doesn't emerge again, emerge this season, or, or doesn't really take that next step, then maybe Alberto eclipses him in, in year two or three. But uh, Tyree Cleveland, yeah, good luck on that with those wide receivers. And then Alberto, I, I would call him a stash, but it's close, I guess. Yeah, I, I lean towards trash with, with the tight end and Tyree Cleveland. Uh, let's move on to the Super Bowl champs, guys. Really only one player to talk about, and it's a pretty obvious one here. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, first-round draft capital, first pick for the Chiefs, uh, landed in the first round. Man, that there's nothing else to be say, said he's he's cash right straight cash homie <laughs> straight cash <laughs> yeah that's a pretty easy one uh just barely landing in the first round but he shot up all those draft boards uh many of us had him as the fourth running back i think it was probably probably pretty close to everybody that did rookie rankings had had Clyde as as the fourth guy there were a few out there that had him a little bit higher but he shot right up that board uh with that draft capital obvious cash there um we expect early production we expect him to uh to to have a big role in that offense and as we talk about on the ADP show Ryan um he's he's now got first round startup draft capital as well Right, and and I think that's really the conversation that uh, that needs to be had with Clyde Edwards-Helaire uh, because we we know at this point he's he's either the one hundred one or one hundred two in in the majority of rookie drafts, and uh, that's that's well established. But kind of for him shifting to uh, shifting to startup drafts is is really where decisions need to be made. Like you said, he is the twelfth player off the board in our current. Uh, ADP data based on our mock drafts and, and a first round, <clears throat> excuse me, a first round pick on, uh, on a rookie is, is a tough, it's, it's a t- tough move to make. I mean, we've seen it with Ezekiel Elliott in the past. We've seen it with Saquon Barkley in the past, 
but both of those players not only had that elite landing spot uh, and first round draft capital like Edwards Edwards Alaire does, but they also had that uh, that profile leading up through the entire pre draft process that everybody knew they were the one hundred and one, uh, basically almost no matter what. So uh, definitely not ready to put Clyde Edwards Alaire in that category with guys like that. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, I really like the player. I, of course, obviously love the situation. I would have a hard time pulling the trigger in the, in the first round. That said, I, I'd be glad to take him in the second round. And it's probably more of a case that, that we kind of see a flattening of the, of the first round tier really about midway through. I think if you look at uh, guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Devonte Adams, Joe Mixon as mid first rounders and startup ADP and late, Second rounders, probably not a ton of difference there. So you just have a huge tier of 15 players or so. And that's really all we have to talk about with the Chiefs guys. They they didn't dip back into the offensive skill players throughout the draft. So with that, let's move on to the Los Angeles Chargers. And Matt, I want to get your thoughts on Justin Herbert, first of all. More for a super flex conversation, for the, but for those of us that, that play in those super flex or two quarterback leagues, Herbert is an interesting prospect, and if you're sitting in the middle to late part of the first round of a rookie draft, and Herbert's still still kind of hanging out there, if if he's future cash or, or if he's a stash right now, that seems like a bargain. Yeah, and I th- I think he's you know right on that line. You know, it, it seems like Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter. If there is a reduced training camp, that makes it even more likely that Tyrod is going to you know, open the season as a starter. And you know everything the coaches say, not that we can necessarily trust them this time of year, but uh, everything they're saying is that Tyrod might even you know play out the year as the starter. So he's probably a stash, but I can certainly see a scenario where either – uh, you know, either Tyrod gets hurt or or they're in a position where the, the offense isn't, isn't going as well as they expected with Tyrod. And and, uh, you know, they're they're out of playoff condition at that point. I don't see any reason why they they wouldn't throw Herbert in there. So I think there's potential for for him to be a cash player in year one, but probably more likely a stash even in super flex leagues. Ryan, this one's really interesting because the way we uh, really determined cash, what cash means. We said we'll produce in year one or we'll gain value in year one. Uh, there's, there's a logical path to Justin Herbert gaining some value without even finding the field all that much. And it, we could easily see him play just a couple of games. If, if the chargers are able to stay in contention as Matt kind of suggested there, if something like that happens and he doesn't play till late in the season, then Tyrod moves on. And it looks like Herbert's the starter going into next year during draft season, a year from now, we could be talking about Herbert uh, with a lot more value than we are right now, even though he, he may not play all that much or, or may not even play all that well as a rookie. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. He is He's a pretty easy pick in rookie drafts right now, I think. And I know you were speaking a little bit from, from the Superflex uh, standpoint, but in, in one quarterback drafts, he's, he's a mid-third rounder, and it's, it's easy to spin that pick on him. And, and then just wait and see what happens. But again, shifting over to our startup ADP, he's quarterback 19 right now. Uh, and he's being valued over some, some pretty safe players, guys like Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill. We view those players as just having limited upside, and, and that's, why, that's why Herbert falls ahead of them, I think. Typically, I would say 
rookies are, are a safe bet to increase in value almost no matter what in their rookie year. I've, I've done some, some studies on that in past years that, that shows that's true based on ADP data. But at quarterback 19 for Herbert already, I think he needs to get on the field and produce pretty, pretty quickly to maintain that, that mid QB2 uh, value. The Chargers went on to add more offensive skill players in the mid and late rounds. Really a threesome of skill guys. Joshua Kelly at running back, Joe Reed at wide receiver, and then KJ Hill late in the draft. Another wide receiver, this one out of Ohio State. Ryan, your thoughts of this group? You've you've spoken highly of Joshua Kelly and the opportunity he might have there in Los Angeles with the Chargers. And then the couple of wide receivers as well. Is there... Is there any stashes among that group? Um, I think a lot of people might call Joshua Kelly a stash. He's a, he's a mid third rounder in our ADP. I feel like he's, he's climbing, you know, the thing with rookie ADP is it's changing basically every day. So, so you look at this that we collected uh, a week or two ago and uh, it, it may already sometimes feel out of date. It's, it's, it, it's tough to chase that ADP, but I think, I wouldn't expect Kelly to fall to the mid third round as he did in our uh, mock draft data. But I think, I think I would put him in that cash category just because I see an immediate role for him. Uh, And again, as you pointed out, we're talking about players we expect to gain value in the coming year or in their first year. And I definitely think uh, Kelly will gain quite a bit of value uh, we, we all know he's, he offers something totally different than, uh, than what Austin Eckler does. Uh, Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler are a little redundant type players. Um, so I, I could see Kelly just sliding right in with a, with a significant role. I think he is cash. And, and then the wide receivers, I mean, they're, just, they're clearly just chasing some depth. One of those guys might hit. They're both being valued outside of the top three rounds. So taking a shot on, on KJ Hill or, or Joe Reed is fine. I, I do think it's interesting in our ADP data. KJ Hill has a, a mid fourth round ADP, kind of a well-known name coming in from Ohio state. Uh, but he was drafted in the seventh round. Joe Reed was the chargers fifth rounder and he's, he's outside or he's, he's actually the first player drafted in the sixth round. And of course we know most rookie drafts don't even have six rounds. So, uh, he, he's not getting drafted in, in most leagues, which is a little bit of a surprise. I'd, I'd follow the Chargers lead and prefer Reed to Hill. Matt, your thoughts on this group of three skill players, Joshua Kelly, Joe Reed, and KJ Hill. Yeah, I, I, I'm in lockstep with Ryan there. I think Kelly has a chance to be a cash player in year one. Uh, I do I do like Justin Jackson. I think he is going to start on the at least the off-season workouts if we again if we have any of them I think he will start ahead of Kelly, but I think pretty clearly uh uh you know early on in the season that he'll establish some sort of role there. So he's somebody I think his value will certainly increase from year 1 to year 2. Um and then the other two, yeah, I think they're you know, they're, I think they're borderline stash trash. I, I agree with Ryan. I would rather have Reed over Hill at this point. Um, but both, I, I think, are going to struggle to see the, the field in year one and maybe even year two. Yeah, it feels like with those two wide receivers that if you're at the end of the third round and ADP suggested that neither are, are worth that pick, as you as you mentioned there, Ryan, there are better options than Joe Reed and K.J. Hill, which probably suggests that both of them are trash. 
Uh, Joshua Kelly couldn't agree more. He, he feels like a stash to me. There's there's other guys in that range that I pick over Joshua Kelly, but you guys certainly have a point. There's an opportunity there. That's an offense that likes to use the running back, uh, and, and Kelly could carve out a role and maybe even a significant one relatively early. Let's talk about the team that I'm most excited to talk about, at least tonight, fellas. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. They they were busy with wide receivers. Uh, it appeared because he, they went Henry Ruggs early, added Lynn Bowden later, and then Brian Edwards. But it's it's come out since then, or or maybe in moments following the draft, or as they chose Bowden, that that they see him as a running back. So there's really a lot of interpretation to that you kind of have to put into play here with the Raiders and how they're gonna. Uh, parlay these three picks into offensive success. There seems to be a role potentially for all of them. Maybe Edwards has to wait just a little bit. Rugg should be featured. Bowden certainly has an opportunity there. Let's talk about the Raiders' three draft picks as a whole, and it started at top at the top, Ryan, with Henry Ruggs. Yeah, there had obviously been the kind of the momentum building that Ruggs would be that first wide receiver drafted over Judy and C.D. Lamb. Uh, and, and that's how it played out. So uh, many were surprised. Maybe we shouldn't have been with that. Uh, I, I don't think it really changes much on, on, Ruggs, on Ruggs' value, honestly. Uh, I mean, there's still questions about his production in, uh, in college. And um, the, the thing I, I would think of is his, his new Raiders wide, re- wide receiver depth chart or the wide receiver room is not as good as his college wide receiver room was. Um, so I, I think that's that has to be viewed as good news, whether you're worried about the production, whether you're worried about the lack of um, big plays that, that Ruggs made in college. Those are just some of the, some of the points I've seen brought up. Um, I, I still think he's – I think he's a cash play, actually. Uh, it, it's kind of a, a tough one for me. But he's a he's a late first rounder in rookie drafts. I think that's uh, a good spot for him. Uh, any earlier than that, I would I would probably ha- have some concerns about using that level of pick on him. Before we move on beyond uh, rugs, I I think you made a really good point there with with rugs having <laughs> there was a better better group of wide receivers in college than than he has now in Las Vegas. And whether you see that as a positive or a negative, there's probably a case to be made on both sides. The thing that I always go back to with Ruggs, and it has been the case over the last few years with these speedy first-round receivers, all it takes is a couple of plays, and that really wets the whistle of dynasty owners, which goes to your point, Ryan. You could you could see his value skyrocket with just a few big plays. Matt, what are your thoughts on Ruggs and, and where he lands in on our three options here. I think Ruggs has like the, is maybe the most volatile rookie we have. I, I don't know if that's, that's a hot take or not, but I really think that his outlook could be anywhere from, you know, he's, 
you know, a, a third round startup pick next year to we don't care about him like we didn't care about John Ross after after his uh, first year in the league. You know, I, I, I do want to call him a cash play because because they are creative enough to get him involved on short passes, which I think is going to be the strength of, of Carr and or Mariota if he for some reason takes over again. If they can get him involved on those kind of kind of routes and and using him that way in the offense, then I think he's going to be an absolute cash player. If they use him purely as a deep threat, then I think we're looking at him as th- that we've all kind of made a mistake as that as that late round late first round pick uh there so uh, i'm gonna call him a cash but i think he could be he could really fit in any of these three categories depending on you know how, the usage of him in, in 2020 mm, cash 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 that guy is a value <laughs> at the end of the first round i love it and it's just i think put both of those things together matt they're gonna use him on i hope those, so those quick bubble screens and he's going to be the deep threat as well. They're they're going to move him around the formation. I cannot wait to see what Gruden and company do with Henry Ruggs in Las Vegas. How about Lynn Bowden, Ryan? Uh, this one's going to be tricky for you. We don't we don't we don't allow homers, do we? The Packers are really good, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lynn Bowden, what are your thoughts on his upside now that he's in the silver and black? Well, that's the key word. I do think he has a ton of upside as as a versatile playmaker. You talked about it already, the the move from wide receiver to running back, which is one that he's already familiar with. We've uh, we've talked a lot about him already on the show uh, in the past. I would I would have to put him in that stash category for now. Uh, and and I love stashing him in the uh in the third round of rookie drafts. I, I just uh I mean, I see the pass catching role out of the backfield for him as as that upside role. I think, uh, in general, the the drafting of Bowden, the signing of Devontae Booker is is bad news for Josh Jacobs and his chances of really ever seeing significant targets. Uh, but Jalen Richard is still there, and Jalen Richard is is no slouch. So to expect Bowden to come in in year one making a transition from from receiver to running back no OTAs no rookie mini camp and to overtake Jalen Richard uh, I think that that would be a lot to expect so uh, I would put Bowden as, as much as I want to call him a cash play immediately I would put him in that stash category uh, the player they drafted immediately after Bowden was Brian Edwards uh, some some of the same concerns I mean we've we've talked about it on here and we've heard the the narrative a lot out there in general that especially the rookie wide receivers will struggle uh, in, in that transition to the NFL without offseason work. So that that could be a strike against Edwards, but it's it's going to be a strike against everybody. And in the end, I think Edwards is going to have opportunity because of this this subpar depth chart. Uh, and, and I would not be surprised if this time next year we consider Brian Edwards the Raiders wide receiver one. I pretty much do already. So I think I'm going to put him in that cash category. Ooh, I like that. Stepping out there a little bit for Brian Edwards. He's one of my favorite draft picks when he, he seems to be slipping in the second round of rookie drafts and you can scoop him up and you know, man, he was so impressive at South Carolina. So much production in his four year career, uh, third most receptions and fourth most receiving yards in sec history. I know a lot of those guys don't play four years anymore, but that is impressive. There's been a lot of really good receivers that went through that conference. 
Uh, and I echo a lot of what you said there about Brian Edwards, Ryan. There's an opportunity there, and he he has the skill set to be that outside threat. And and the, the man, the Raiders need it. Uh, so I don't know if I'm willing to say cash, but he he's borderline cash for sure, and a guy that I certainly want on my dynasty roster. Matt, what are your thoughts of these other two Las Vegas draft picks, Bowden? And Brian yeah, Bowden's, Bowden's going to be fun to watch, but I, I think he is firmly in that stash category and is going to need to either overtake or something to happen to Jalen Richard to really make too much of an impact in year one, but I'm, I'm willing to wait for, for that kind of talent. And then Edwards, I, I agree with exactly what Ryan said. I'd rather have him at his price right now in rookie drafts in that mid to late second round than I would at Ruggs at his price in the late first. Uh, and I think he's profiles perfect as the next possession receiver for the Raiders. And, you know, we have, we've already seen him used uh, on, on those short screen passes. I think that, I, I don't know the percentage, but it was an awful lot of screen passes that he saw uh in college in his final season there so we already know that he's got that part of the the offense working and and can it can handle those short shorter routes uh while rugs and and i guess tyrell williams if he's still going to be a thing or are are taking a lot of the 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 deep coverage so edwards i like a lot uh i'm going to put him in the cash category Mm, nice so that does it for the AFC West. We're going to get to the NFC West in just a minute, guys. But first, we should talk about our friends over at DynastyOwner.com. Do you think you are smarter than an NFL GM? Do you think you're the best at fantasy football? Well, here's your chance to prove it. Dynasty Owner is the only patented fantasy sports game using actual NFL salaries and contracts. You manage your team from all levels, owner to general manager to coach. Dynasty Owner is for the smart, elite fantasy football player. There is no offseason in Dynasty Owner. The rookie draft matters, free agency matters, and every contract matters. Come to a startup draft in 2020 using actual NFL player contracts and salaries, then improve your team each year with a three-round rookie draft and by trading players and draft picks. Win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes, and compete in the chase for the ring. The mobile app is in development and is going to be ready any day now on iOS and Android. It's going to be ready in time for rookie drafts right now, right around the corner. Uh, Mock drafts are open now on desktop and mobile browsers. To learn more and mock draft for free, check out DynastyOwner.com. That's www.DynastyOwner.com. Let's talk about the NFC West, the rookies over there. There are some playmakers, of course, and we're going to start in Arizona, guys. It's it's just another, another team with just one to talk about, Ryan. Eno Benjamin. The running back, he's he might mix in a little bit. Where does he fall? Is he stash, cash, or is he trash? Yeah, he's trash. Uh, <laughs> That's what you were dang. talking about, Matt, right? Yeah. Yeah, so so Benjamin was a player that a lot of people liked throughout college. Uh, throughout, in, in fact, going back to kind of the Debbie point of view, this is a player that some people were calling a, a potential top five Devi running back this time last year. He had a big 2018 season uh, and and really boosted his value. <clears throat> 2019 was not kind. And, and yes, he did have some injuries to deal with, um, which which hurt his, his, uh, his counting stats. But in the end, he falls to the seventh round. As exciting as that Arizona offense is, he stuck behind – uh, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds, a couple running backs that uh, that I think are just honestly a lot better than Benjamin is. 
and and his ADP shows that he he fell to the fourth round or is falling to the fourth round in rookie drafts because of it. So in the fourth round, sure, it's fine to to spend a pick on him. That's uh, that's not uh, bad value, obviously at all. But uh, I I just don't have high expectations for Benjamin really ever in his career. Yeah, the uh, seventh round draft capital is, is certainly not not great. Uh, but I like the situation he's landed in. Uh, you know, the skill set I think can work there if something were to happen to Drake. I don't think that he would. You know, I don't think the Cardinals would let him take over if for some reason they weren't able to sign Drake or just didn't want to bring him back uh, in 2021, certainly. But I think he, you know, he could have some value if 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 Drake was to get hurt. I know Chase Edmonds is there as well, but I don't think he's quite the receiving uh, uh, option that Benjamin is. So if they decide they want to use a running back that way, then I think there's a chance he could have some value in 2020, but certainly not counting with it. I'll put him as a, like a low end stash. Uh, I guess a little bit more optimistic than Ryan, but uh, not not a lot of hope there. Uh, I'm with Ryan. I'll, I'll, I guess I'd stretch a little. I'll say he's high end trash. <laughs> what's what's since you're going low end? Yeah, what's stash? the difference between low end stash and high end cash, or, or high, low end stash and high end trash? High end trash is okay. way worse. <laughs> way worse. Quite a bit worse. Uh, how about the Los Angeles Rams, Matt? Uh, running back that you certainly won't be calling high end or low end trash. It's Cam Akers. Their first dip into the skill positions at what well, came at running back, and it was relatively early in the draft. Akers lands with the Rams. A pretty nice landing spot. Of course, Daryl Henderson still exists there. Uh, what do you think? Is, is he. St- a stash because of the other running backs on the roster or is he cash? He's, he's definitely cash. I I think he's going to take over that running backfield, uh, that backfield, like pretty much right away. You know, maybe they try to mix in Henderson, you know, on, 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 on passing downs and, uh, you know, as a, as a change of pace guy, maybe they mix in Malcolm Brown just to give Akers a a rest now and then. Uh, but I think Akers is going to take over this backfield and, I know the I know the line is bad. He's used to that. I I have I still putting my faith in in Sean McVay for figuring it out. You know I think they figured it out with Gurley last year, despite his shortcomings. And I think they'll certainly be able to figure it out with Acres. So he's he's definitely a cash for me. Ryan, your thoughts on Acres? Yeah, I, I totally agree. He's he's a cash play. Again, thinking about players that will gain value over the next year. He's in the same situation as Judy in that. He's basically a mid-first rounder in rookie picks as, as the 1.05 in our ADP, but he's, he's still a third rounder in uh, our startup draft. So uh, this is not a, he's not a player that is cheap or you can uh, get at any kind of discount by any means, but I still think he has a pretty clear path to, to actually gaining value on that lofty ADP. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Akers is going to have lots of opportunities, and it's really unlikely that they they don't give him at least 50% of that workload, more like, likely to be even more than that. Let's move on to Van Jefferson, who the Rams grabbed another guy early in the draft. Uh, some were surprised that he went as high as he did. Seems like a nice fit. Van Jefferson in L.A. with that passing offense. He can move around the formation and very, very strong route runner. Fits what the Rams like to do with what McVeigh likes to do. There's there's reason to be optimistic about Van Jefferson and his dynasty upside, Ryan. The question is, 
there there's other mouths to feed there how how soon can we expect jefferson to make an impact and does that push him down into the stash category rather than being cash yeah honestly i've i've gone back and forth on jefferson quite a bit uh, dan i know he's a player you like we've talked about him uh, often because of that you said he was a good fit. I don't know if he is a good fit. I mean, we, we love the second round draft capital. That was a bit of a surprise. In general, the Rams is, the Rams is an offense that you want pieces of. They, they've been that high-scoring offense uh, for the past few years. But they lose, they lose Brandon Cooks, and, and Van Jefferson does not fill that role. He, he's really more of a Cooper Cup-type player. Uh, and just like Cooper Cup, he's an older prospect. So I just, I don't know. I don't see his path for breaking into the top three targets on that on that team in year one. I mean, we're talking Robert Woods and, and Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby as well. So is he going to earn more targets than any of those guys? I don't think so. So I don't see how, honestly, I don't see much of a path for him to gain dynasty value from where he is right now, even as a mid third rounder in rookie drafts, but I also don't like calling 23 year old players stashes either. I, I don't know what to do with Jefferson. Matt, can you sit? I, I think light? he's definitely a stash. Like you said, he's closer to Cooper cup than to Brandon cooks. He's a great route runner from what we've seen. Uh, obviously the production in college wasn't there, but you know, Josh Reynolds is probably going to fill that wide receiver role in, in year one, but he's a UFA in, in 2021. Cooper Cup, if they don't want to pay him, he's an unrestricted free agent as well in 2021. And then at that point, you know, depending on who they add or bring in in the 2021 draft, you know, you're looking at a 29-year-old Robert, 29 year old Robert Woods as your, really your only receiver there. So I think there's a path for him in year two, probably not in year one, unless some kind of injury happens or they decide to play around with, you know, five wide personnel something like that um so he's a stash for me and i, I think he's a, i think he's a decent stash uh probably not not much in year one but i think he's he's worth uh, taking like in that third round like you mentioned with just based on that draft capital alone yeah it's a it's a nice swing for for future upside for sure which makes him a decent stash at the very least the the rams added bryson hopkins as well another tight end to that group Already a deep group, Matt. Uh, but Hopkins is there now. Is there? Is are we going to be patient with him? Leave him on our rosters for a year, two years, three years, more than that, to give Hopkins an opportunity to make an impact for dynasty owners? I think one, I think one year. I think depending on what they decide to do with Gerald Everett after this year, I think I believe he's an unrestricted free agent in twenty twenty one as well. You know, I think he could certainly step in and play that same role if they decide they want to make that an element of their offense that they they feature more. You know, an athletic kind of move tight end that 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 can make some plays just kind of like Everett has and Everett wasn't able to stay healthy last last season you know they, they've made a, a few different coaching remarks this this offseason about how they need to get Gerald Everett more involved who knows what that means maybe they will maybe they won't maybe he'll do enough to bring them back if they do bring Everett back next year then I think that we can go ahead and, and remove Hopkins from our roster at that point but I, I think he's uh he's on that border of, of high-end trash low-end stash again just like uh the last team we talked about ryan how about you bryson hopkins you got you got is there upside there uh, i think there's some <clears throat> but i think it it might be multiple years before we see it i mean not only the competition there but again just the general 
path that tight ends take to to production and to relevance. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm with Matt. He's on the borderline. Probably probably not even worth uh, holding as as a wait and see. I mean, you look at the two guys there, Gerald Everett and and Tyler Higby. In most leagues that I'm in, they did not last on the roster that that drafted them. They they hit the waiver wire and and, and bounced around a little bit before they actually produced uh, in year uh, what I guess it was year three for them. So uh, Hopkins probably in in that same vein. Yeah, really only a stash in really deep leagues uh, where there's opportunities to to roster extra tight ends. If it's a tight end premium, maybe he becomes a little bit more, uh, more noteworthy, a guy that, that you're willing to hold a little bit longer, but there was some upside certainly coming out of college. He was actually my tight end one before the NFL draft that has changed with the landing spot. However, how about the Seattle Seahawks guys? They waited, they waited and they waited and they waited to add a skill player. But when they did, they just started rattling them off Uh, a couple tight ends, running back DJ Dallas, wide receiver Freddie Swain. There's there's a group of players here, Ryan. Uh DJ Dallas has a little bit of upside potential stash there if you if you believe in the the lore of the Seattle tight end, maybe Colby Parkinson has a little bit of long-term upside as well. Anybody in this group that you think is more than more than trash? Yeah, I'm I'm certainly interested in DJ Dallas and again under the the definition that we're using here that that cash means a player we expect to gain value. I think we could put DJ Dallas in that cash category because the two guys ahead of him uh, just just cannot stay healthy. Rashad Penny and Chris Carson, in fact, uh, it sounds like Rashad Penny uh, may not be ready for, for for the regular season whenever that comes. So I, I think Dallas is is going to have uh, really a pretty easy opportunity to gain some dynasty value right now. He's, he's a late third rounder in our uh, rookie ADP. Uh, Again, easy pick to make anywhere in the third round, especially if it's, if it's in that later portion. Uh, So I think uh, under that definition, I think Dallas is a cash play and the rest just don't make much, much sense to me. Honestly, Colby Parkinson in the fourth round, Steven Sullivan in the seventh round, they had two tight ends, even though they've, uh, they've signed Greg Olson and they have Will Disley and, and Jacob Hollister coming back. Both of those guys were productive when they were on the field last year. It, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but that's true most years of, of the Seahawks drafts. Yeah, whenever you watch that group make make their draft picks, you kind of expect to scratch your head. Uh, multiple tight ends, and they always draft a running back, right? Sometimes in the first round, sometimes they wait a little while. That was the case this year with DJ Dallas. Matt, your thoughts on this group in Seattle? Yeah, I, I thought I was going to be kind of out on an island here calling DJ Dallas a, a cash player for year one, but but Ryan agrees, so I like that. Uh, again, former wide receiver, he can catch the ball well. I, I mean, he could even, if Rashad Penny is not ready for week one, I think there's a chance maybe he has some kind of small small uh, a role at the very first week of the 2020 season. So, uh, And then we know Chris, the story with Chris Carson, he's hurt all the time. Uh, so there's potential that, that he is, you know, if not the lead back in a traditional sense, certainly the lead back in a committee. I'm not afraid of Travis Homer. I'm not afraid of uh, uh, CJ Procise, I think, is still hanging around. So uh, I, I think he's a cash player for even for year one. 
I like it. It's a clean sweep. All three of us call Dallas a cash play. I, I was like you, Matt. I thought I'd be able to swoop <laughs> in at the end and say, no, no, he's cash. But we're all sharing a brain on DJ Dallas, a nice value in the third round of rookie drafts. The last team we got to cover, fellas, the San Francisco 49ers. Dipped into the skill players in the first round with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, then they waited a while. Let's start with Ayuk, however. Ryan, your thoughts on him? Some, some were surprised he went in the first round. Others expected it to be he, him to be a late first-round addition. Uh, might have to wait a minute on Brandon Ayuk. Does that make him a stash, or do you think there's the potential for him to be a dynasty cash player as a rookie? He's another one I'm having a hard time on, and, and the main reason why is because I do think he's being undervalued. Uh, he's he's going in, in the second round of most rookie drafts. His ADP is 2.03, 15 overall, um, despite that first-round draft capital being drafted behind um, many second-round uh, rookie, uh, rookie picks, Denzel Mims, or, or NFL draft picks, I should say, Denzel Mims and, and T. Higgins. Uh, right ahead of him in rookie drafts so I think in some ways that makes him a value and and that gives him a chance to uh, an easier chance to gain value but I'm still going to stick in the in the stash category for Ayuk they they just spread the ball around there so much Uh, I think Debo and and Kittle are, are pretty established as the top two targets nothing we've seen tells us they want to change the game plan of running the ball, running the ball, and then running the ball some more. So um, that that obviously hurts Ayuk. I see him as, as the third target at best in that in the first year. So I'll call him a stash. I did like what you said there, Ryan, that, man, he's slipping in these rookie drafts. And it's rare that you get uh, a wide receiver that's drafted in the first round of the NFL draft to slip all the way into the second round of our rookie drafts, but that's what's happening in this case. And there is a lot of upside with Ayuk. There's a pretty clear path to him gaining some value. So maybe he's, if we're going to do that high end, low end thing, maybe he's low end cash uh, just because of the potential to move up another player with where it only takes a few big plays uh, for, for him to get dynasty owners excited about his upside going forward. You mentioned Debo, of course, and George Kittle's the number one option in that offense not sure if there's there's a big opportunity to for him to catch a lot of balls but I think there's a chance that he could make an impact and for his value to go up because of it Matt shed a little light on Ayuk and what your thoughts are with the late first round NFL rookie draft pick yeah, we're we're all agreeing on this this episode. I think uh, I I think he's a stash as well, I, and I agree that he is a little bit undervalued. I would rather have him ahead of Henry Ruggs, to be honest with you. Um, so I, there was there was a report that the Niners, if they couldn't trade back, they would have taken him at thirteen overall. You know, who knows if that's true or not? But it seems like they they want him, they want him involved. But at the same time, you know, like Ryan said, he's the third option at, at best in that offense, and. I'm sure I still still a pipe dream, but you know Dante Pettis is still hanging around there, guys. I don't I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> no, uh, he's he's a he's a stash uh, it, it, with the potential for cash, I think. Um, so right again, right on that borderline, uh, I would not count if I had him on my team. I would not count on him and getting anything out of him in year one, at least you know as a consistent starter for your fantasy team. Um, but uh, certainly potential there for the future. So I'll call him a stash. 
All right, the 49ers added a couple more players late in the draft. Anything worth mentioning here? Are we talking a, a, a big old pile of 49 trash. trash? Yeah, I think, I think again, just based on draft capital, Charlie Warner late in, uh, in day three, Juwan Jennings. Maybe a little more interesting. Uh, we saw some flashes uh, from him in college, the, the big wide receiver. He's, he's a late fifth rounder in our rookie ADP, so basically meaning he's going undrafted in, uh, in most drafts, but not, not quite enough to put him in that stash category. Yeah, he he had a little bit of. You correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan. There was some Devi buzz about around Juwan Jennings at one point, and and there were there were guys adding him to rosters. He he has a little bit of that that pedigree, I guess, from from way back. Yeah, he does, and and he's he's that big bodied wide receiver that uh, everybody in Dynasty was chasing two or three or four years ago. He's six three, well over two hundred pounds. And like I said, showed some flashes at Tennessee. I, I don't know the volunteers. Maybe as a Kentucky fan, I, I shouldn't complain about this, but they can't get anything right lately. And and <laughs> he he wouldn't be the first player that we saw um, perform better in the NFL than he did as a college player coming from from Tennessee. So uh, yeah, may, maybe maybe a stash in those deep leagues. Yeah, deep leagues. If you're going into five rounds, you're that deep. Uh, not the worst guy that you can, worst name that you can call, I guess. So that does it for the AFC and NFC West guys. Talked about a lot of the big names, uh, some low end talent that has some upside as well. Nice to dig into those names like DJ Dallas. We talked about him. We don't often get the opportunity to do that next week. We're going to talk about the AFC and NFC South. We'll deliberate and try to come up with which rookies are a stash which are rookie cash and, and which, which are dynasty trash. Uh, for Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.